Amen. All right, where well, you're there in Judges chapter number 15, I'd like you to keep your place there. That'll be our text for this morning. But go with me just real quickly, quickly to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 12. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Romans chapter 12. When you get to Romans, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it throughout the sermon, Romans chapter 12. And if you remember last week, we started a brand new series entitled Bearing the Hatchet. And we're learning how to live at peace with ourselves and those around us. And the reason that I chose the title, Bearing the Hatchet, is because that phrase, Bearing the Hatchet, if you remember last week we talked about this, it's an American English idiom meaning to make peace. The figurative expression, Bearing the Hatchet, originated as an American Indian tradition. Hatchets that were typically uh, weapons were buried by the chiefs of the tribes when they came to a peace agreement. And they would show that they were coming to peace by burying the weapon that was used to hurt uh, the opponents. And that's what the phrase, bearing the hatchet, means. And that's what we're talking about, and we're learning about bearing the hatchet, uh, because we want to learn how to live at peace with ourselves and others. Now, last week, if you remember, we began with kind of a foundational sermon entitled, From Whence Come Wars and Fightings Among You. And we learned from James that sometimes we engage in emotional and relational uh, warfare, and it's meant to hurt, not to help, and the emotional and relational warfare is uh, contention. It's a contention between us and others, and I want to be clear about something. Uh, we are absolutely not saying, uh, and from last week's sermon, I just want to reiterate this, we are not saying that there is not a time or a place to confront, uh, to correct someone, to confront someone and to even experience some righteous indignation. We're not saying that at all. What we are saying is this, and and it's hard to uh, quantify this, so I'll put it this way. Deep down inside, you know, deep down inside, you know when you've crossed that line where you're now no longer trying to uh, help a situation, but you're trying to just hurt an individual. You know when that is. It's hard for me to quantify that or put that into words, but you know when you cross that line. And the example that I would give is this. You know, there might be situations where uh, my children maybe were at home and they do something that I don't approve of and I confront them and I correct them and I discipline them and it's done at a certain measure and maybe they do the exact same thing but now because it's done in a church setting or in a restaurant or somewhere where I'm embarrassed you know I cross that line right and here's the thing you know when you cross that line you know when I cross that line and that's what we're talking about we're not saying that uh, because we want to live at peace with ourselves and others that there's never a time to confront someone to correct someone to deal with an issue what we are saying is this that there's never a time to engage in emotional warfare where we're not trying to be productive but destructive, where we're not trying to help but to hurt. I hope that's clear, and I I hope I'm, I'm being clear with those words. We learned last week from James that Wars and fightings that come uh, that that we engage in, they come from within us. That's what James said. He said, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your own lusts that war in your uh, members?" Today, we're going to switch from the introspective view of ourselves to kind of the outer view of how to deal with others during times of conflict. Now, you're there in Romans 12, and I'd like you to look at verse 17, and this is really what we're talking about this morning. In Romans 12, 17, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote this, "...recompense to no man evil for evil." "...recompense to no man evil for evil." The word recompense means to repay or to make 
uh, restitution. And Paul is teaching us this principle, and he's saying, just because someone does evil to you, just because someone hurts you, just because someone uh, attacks you, does not mean that we should recompense evil to evil. Now, keep your place there in Romans 12. Go back to Judges chapter 15. And in Judges 15, we see a very uh, illustrative story as to why Paul is right when he says we ought not recompense evil to evil for any man. Now, we read Judges chapter 15, but in order for Judges 15 to really make sense, you need to understand the context of Judges 14. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read through all of Judges 14 with you, but let me just catch you up a little bit and give you um, some thoughts of Judges 14 so you can understand what's happening in Judges 15. In Judges 14, if you read uh, Judges 14, you'll find that at the beginning of the chapter, we have Samson, that's our character this morning, and he saw a woman of the daughters of the Philistines, and he basically demanded that his parents get her for me to wife, is what he said to his parents. He said, go get her for me to wife. And Samson's parents, of course, ob- object, uh, but to no avail. Uh, they did not want Samson to marry a Philistine girl, but uh, it was to, uh, they, they weren't able to persuade him otherwise. And the Bible tells us that it was of the Lord that Samson sought an occasion against the Philistines. And then, of course, when Samson is on his way to meet this Philistine girl, to basically ask her to marry him on his way down, on his way down uh, to talk with this woman, he rent a lion. If you remember, a lion roared at him, and he grabbed the lion. The Bible says he rent him, and he rent him as a kid. He rent him like it was just a little uh, uh, goat. And after some time, Samson goes back to to see his parents. He goes back uh, home, and when he's on his way back, he finds that there is now he finds the carcass of this lion that he rent, and now there's honey in the carcass of the lion. And Samson uh, uh, takes from uh, the the honey. Uh, there. And of course, and again, I don't have time to develop this. You can study this out on your own. We know that Samson is under a Nazarite vow that does not allow him to come uh, to any uh, dead thing. He shouldn't be approaching this, the carcass of this lion, yet he approaches it. He grabs the honey. Samson holds a seven-day feast, a wedding um, for his Philistine bride, and the Philistines bring 30 companions to this wedding. And then Samson gives them a riddle. He gives them this riddle, and the answer has to do with the lion and the honey that he rent along the way. He gives them this riddle, and he basically says this, if you can answer the riddle for me, then I will give each one of you 30 suits, and he tells them all these things, and, and ba- basically he's going to give them 30 outfits. And in the Bible days, it was not common to have clothes like you and I have clothes. People had maybe one or two or three different types of clothing that they wore all the time. And Samson is uh, saying, if you, under- if you get my riddle, I'll get all of you one pair of clothing. But if, if you can't, then you'll all have to get me one pair of clothing. So the burden was really on Samson, because if they won, they had to afford one pair of clothing for Samson. He'd get a total of 30, because there was 30 of them. But if they won, he had to get 30 pairs of clothing uh, for them. So he gives this riddle. Of course, they can't figure it out. They threaten Samson's wife to get it. She finally get, uh, gets it from Samson. She gives it to them. They give him the riddle. Samson gets upset. He goes and kills 30 other Philistines, takes them their clothes and gives it to these guys to pay off the riddle. This is the whole, you know, this is the drama and the context we're leading into. And then he basically just goes back home with his dad, uh, mad and upset about the whole uh, situation. Now, I told you all that so you can understand. That's the drama we're jumping into in Judges chapter 15, all right? So notice verse number one, Judges 15 and verse one. But it came to pass within a while after, 
in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid. So he's now cooled down. He's not mad anymore. He was upset at his wife for telling the Philistines the answer to the riddle. He even said to the Philistines that they had, uh, uh, you know, uh, plowed with his heifer and he called her these names. And it's just a bad situation that Samson has. But he's finally cooled down and he goes and he brings a gift. And notice what the Bible says there in verse 1. And he said, I will go into my wife, into the chamber. And of course, he's planning on, on being married to this young lady and he wants to consummate the marriage. But her father, notice the last part of verse 1, but her father would not suffer him to go in. Her father would not allow him. Why? Verse 2, and her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. He said, when you left here all mad and angry and you stormed off upset, I thought that this relationship was done. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. So Samson goes back to basically take his wife and to be with her. And he finds out that she's been given to another man because uh, the dad thought that he had wanted nothing to do with her because he's so upset and so mad. And I want you to understand this is, we're getting to the climax. So the story has already been pretty dramatic. But now we're getting to the climax of the story. And this is what I want you to notice. Because of this situation, Samson decides to retaliate. Notice verse 3. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines? though I do them a displeasure. Notice, he knows that what he's about to do, he knows that what he's about to do is a hurtful thing. It's an evil thing. It's not a nice thing. It's not a kind thing. He said, I'm going to do them a displeasure. But in his mind, he says, I am more blameless than the Philistines because they're the ones that started it because they got the answer to the riddle from my wife. Now, the Philistines would say, well, no, Samson started it because he gave us the riddle to begin with. And this is how it goes. And Samson decides that he's going to retaliate. Notice what he does in verse 4. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands. A firebrand is a piece of burning wood and turned tail to tail. So he gets 300 foxes. He ties their tails together, two two foxes. So you've got 150 pairs of foxes. And in the midst of those tails, he puts these firebrands, these uh, pieces of burning wood, and notice, and put firebrands in the midst between two tails. Notice verse 5. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyard and the olives. So Samson chooses to retaliate and he does it in a very uh, creative way. You know, he finds 300 foxes, ties them together, puts firebrands in the tails and sends them off into the standing corn. So of course, how do the Philistines respond? Well, the Philistines choose to retaliate also. Notice verse 6. Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. So Samson burns their sanding corn with firebrands and foxes. So they go and they burn his, his, the girl that he wanted to marry and her father. They burn her alive. So what does Samson decide to do? Well, notice verse 7. He chooses to retaliate again. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. After that, I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top, uh, in the rock Edom. So how do the Philistines respond? They choose to retaliate again also. Notice verse 9. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? 
And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up, and to do to him as he had done to us. And I'm just reading you the story, and I want you to understand this, that when we decide, when we decide to recompense to men evil for evil, when we decide that it is acceptable for us to retaliate when someone has attacked us, this is how your life will go. It will be a series of retaliation and revenge. Retaliation and revenge. Retaliation and revenge. And isn't that what we read in Romans 12, 17? Isn't this exactly what Paul is warning us to stay away from? He says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Sometimes this is referred to as uh, tit for tat. Here's a definition of that phrase. The phrase means the infliction of an injury or insult in return for one that has uh, been suffered. So someone injures you, you injure them. Someone insults you, you insult them. Someone attacks you, you attack them. Now, the teaching of recompensing evil for evil or trying to teach people not to recompense evil for evil is very difficult, and here's why. Because in my flesh and in your flesh, we want to retaliate and we want revenge. But this is not wise. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three reasons why we must not recompense evil for evil. We'll see them here in the story of of Samson. And if you don't mind, if you don't have a baby sitting on your lap, I'd like you to write these down. Because here's what I know about you. You will find yourself at some point in a position where somebody harms you, where somebody injures you, where somebody insults you, where somebody does evil towards you, and you might feel that you're completely innocent in that attack, and you might be innocent. You might not be innocent, but you might be innocent. And in that moment, your flesh will desire to recompense evil for evil. It'll desire to return the harsh word with a harsh word. It'll uh, desire to return the attack with an attack. It'll desire to want to retaliate. But there are some major reasons why you, if you were wise, and if I were wise, would keep ourselves and would take the advice that the Apostle Paul gives us, which is to recompense to no man evil for evil. Now you say, well, why would we want to do that? Why would we not want to get revenge? If you're writing these uh, notes down, I'd like you to write this down. Point number one is this. When we engage in retaliation, when we engage in retaliation, and I'm giving you reasons why you don't want to recompense evil for evil to any man. Here's why. When you choose and when I choose to engage in retaliation, there will be no end in sight. Notice what the Bible, notice what Samson says, Judges 15, look at verse 7. Judges chapter 15 and verse 7, notice what the Bible says. And Samson said, and Samson said unto them, though ye have done this, though ye have done this, notice what he says, yet will I be avenged of you. And we see Samson taking vengeance or revenge into his own hands. But I want you to notice what Samson says. Because Samson has this idea, and it's the same idea that you have, and it's the same idea that I have. He has this idea that I'm just going to do this one thing, this one time, and then it will be done. He says, and after that, I will cease. He says, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them, and then we'll be done. The problem with that thinking is this, that as soon as you hurt them, the other party says, well, they hurt me, so I'll hurt them, and then we'll be done. But as soon as they do that, then you think, well, they hurt me again, so I'll hurt them again, and then we'll be done. And the other party thinks, well, they hurt me again, 
And I'll hurt them again. And here's the problem. Here's the problem with playing the recompense evil for evil game is that when we engage in retaliation, there is no, there will be no end in sight. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, the New Testament. You got this, the first book in the New Testament. It should be fairly easy to find. Matthew 5. Someone said this, without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. Without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. And when we read the story between Samson and the Philistines, we find it, we find it maybe even a little amusing that they would go back and forth, back and forth, tit for tat, back and forth with these attacks. But the truth is this, that many people's marriages look like this. Many people's relationships with their uh, parents looks like this. Many people's relationships with other church members looks like this. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's all I'm telling you. Your flesh wants to and your soul wants to engage in this retaliation, in this avenging and revenge, but just realize that as soon as you take that step, as soon as you go in that direction, there is no end in sight. You may say, I will do this, and after that I will cease, but there is no ceasing. When we choose to retaliate. Matthew chapter 5, are you there? Look at verse 38. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, Ye have heard that it hath been said. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Let me go ahead and explain to you what Jesus is saying here because this is actually a quote from the Old Testament. This is a law that Moses gave and he gave it as a governmental law that they were to take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And it was the law of the land that if I injured you and I took your eye, then the law, when I was found guilty, the government, the people, the congregation, would take my eye as a form of justice. If I take your tooth, they'll take my tooth. Now, sometimes the liberals will look at this and they'll try to say, see, Jesus was condemning this. Hey, you know what? The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect. Jesus did not condemn the law of Moses. Jesus affirmed the law of Moses. Jesus uh, affirmed the teachings of Moses. He's not speaking negative about this law. Here's what he's saying. He says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, and he says this, that ye resist not evil. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, The Bible teaches and Moses taught that government should take justice on your behalf and that when you've been injured and your eye has been taken or your tooth has been taken, that government should step in for you and make that right and make that just. What Jesus is saying is the problem is this, that when government doesn't, because Jesus is living under the Roman Empire, a corrupt government like the one that you and I live in today. He says, when the government doesn't step in and when the government doesn't give justice, what I'm telling you is this, that it is not your job to take the law into your own hands. He says, when you say as an individual that I'm going to remove the eye or I'm going to take the the tooth, he says, ye resist not evil. Because here's what he's saying. Your flesh, your body, your old man wants to do revenge, wants to retaliate, wants to do evil, and you're not resisting it. He says, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. And then he says this, but whosoever, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek. And I don't know about you, but to to me, if someone slaps you in the face, that's probably that to me, I I think that's one of the most the worst insults you could give somebody, you know. And look, I, I realize that different people 
discipline their children different ways and whatever you decide you want to do. But I'd be careful about slapping your children in the face. You know, God, uh, when, when it comes to discipline, I believe that God put a nice place on the bottom of every child that's padded and has a lot of nerve endings. And it's a thing. But there's this thing about just slapping someone in the face that just could 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 create a lot of bitterness and anger. And I'd just be careful about that. And this is the example that Jesus is giving. He says, when someone smites you in the cheek, when they hit you in the face, when they insult you and hurt you, Jesus says, Jesus says, turn to him the other also. Say, so, oh, when somebody smites me in the cheek, then I'm going to smite them in the cheek. Yeah, but the problem is that then they're going to try to smite you in your other cheek. And then you're going to try to smite them in their other cheek. And then they're going to try to hit you in the nose. Then you're going to hit them in the nose. And here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. When we choose to retaliate, when we choose to retaliate, there is no end in sight. You say, well, how do you end it? How do you end it? Here's what Jesus says. Here's how you end it. You take the hurt and you don't retaliate. He said that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Notice verse 40. And if a man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat... If someone wants to sue you and take your coat away, he says, let him have thy cloak also. And here's what Jesus is teaching. He's saying that when it comes to the tit for tat, when it comes to the fighting and the retribution and the, and the revenge and the uh, retaliation, when it comes to the game of recompensing evil for evil, there will be no end in sight. And the only way to end it is for someone who is mature to say, I'll take the hit. I'll take the hurt. I'll take the insult, I'll take the injury, and I won't retaliate because if I do, and I won't retaliate because if I do, there is no end in sight. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Have you kept your place in Romans? Right after Romans, you've got the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is no satisfaction to your flesh when you choose to recompense evil to no man. In fact, carnal people might see you as weak. Sinful people and angry people might see you as weak. And I'll be honest with you, I'll, be, I'll just testify to you. I have found myself in situations because the Lord has allowed us to have some sort of influence and presence on the internet and on YouTube and with the subscribers we have and with these things. I have found myself in situations where I've had other pastors and other people with platforms and situations where they've attacked me personally and they've attacked me. And I've had to make a decision whether I want to retaliate and whether I want to engage in this warfare publicly. And here's what I've chosen and here's what has guided me is that if I do that, where does that end? Because in my mind, I say, well, I'll just make one video answering the one question and I'll give up one insult and I'll be fine. Except they think the same thing. And then I think the same thing. And then they think the same thing. And at the end, we look like a bunch of childish, immature children. And someone, at some point, here's all I'm telling you. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm more spiritual than you are. I'm just trying to tell you this. That at some point, someone has to decide to take the hit. And to take the hurt. And to say, there's no end to this game. So we don't recompense evil for evil. We don't retaliate. At some point, someone has to turn the other cheek and end it. 1 Corinthians 6, look at verse 1. Here's another example. 1 Corinthians 6. I love how the Apostle Paul will often take the teachings of Jesus and apply them differently, but give the same idea. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 1. He says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? 
Now, you might look at this and say, well, this has to do with lawsuits, so therefore this doesn't apply to us. But wait a minute, Matthew 5.40 had to do with lawsuits also. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy cloak. And Jesus taught that within the context of turn the other cheek. So the idea is this, that we are to turn the other cheek when we've been wrong or we've been done wrong. And here's what the Apostle Paul is teaching. He says, there any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Now, there's a lot of teaching here that I'm not going to get into. Notice verse 6. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unjust. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you. And by the way, this is not uh, teach. This is not teaching about fighting with a reprobate or fighting with the world or fighting with the devil. This is talking about brothers, Christians fighting each other. Because I don't know if you know this, but even Christians can get in the flesh. He says, now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. And then he teaches the same concept that Jesus is teaching when he says, turn to him the other cheek also. He says, why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? You say, why does he teach that? Here's why he teaches that. Because there's only one way to end the game. And some of you have been playing this game with your spouse. And some of you have been playing this game with your mom. And some of us have been playing this game with a co-worker, with an employer. Some of you have been playing this game with your pastor. Some of you have been trying to play this game with other church members. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's all I'm telling you. When we engage in retaliation, when we engage in the game of recompensing evil for evil, please know this, there is no end in sight. Be prepared to grow bitter and angry and ugly. Because this will never end. So why should we not play the game? Why should we not retaliate? Here's why. Because the only way to end it is to take the hit, to turn to him the other cheek, to take the loss, to let him have the cloak, to take the wrong, to suffer yourself to be defrauded, however you want to put it, whichever phrase you want to take. The only way to end it is to recompense to no man evil for evil. But there's a second reason if you make your way back to Judges chapter 15. We're talking about why you don't want to play the recompense evil for evil game. Why you don't want to retaliate. And the first reason you don't want to retaliate is because there will be no end in sight. There is no end to recompensing evil for evil game. The only way to end it is for someone to choose to take the wrong. But realize this. When you do that, when you do that, people will say, oh, you're weak. (laughs) Oh, you're scared. Oh, you're, you're this and you're that. And you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide whether it is more important what God thinks of you or what people think of you. And whether it's more important to be right or to make sure everybody knows you are right. Because you may be right in the wrong way. And you may be innocent and cross the line of innocence. So there will be no insight. Let me give you a second reason why you don't want to play the recompense to no man evil for evil game. We said, number one, there's no end in sight. Number two, because we are treating people. When we choose to play this game, we are treating people the way they treated us. And to that, some of you would say, exactly. In fact, that's the, that's the one rule of the game. The one rule of the game is I'm treating you the way that you treated me. Notice what uh, the Bible says in Judges 15. Look at verse 10. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up. Notice, notice what they said. Notice their rationale. Notice their justification. To do to him as he had done to us. Because isn't that the rule to the game? The rule to the game is I treat you the way you treat me. Notice verse 11. 
Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? Why is it that thou hast done this unto us? And he, Samson, said unto them, Notice his justification. Notice his rationale. Notice the one rule to the game. As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. See, the problem, the problem with the recompense evil for evil game is that the one rule is this. Treat the person the way they've treated you. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. You say, I know, that's the point. The point is this, they did me wrong. The point is this, they insulted me. The point is this, they embarrassed me. The point is this, they hurt me. The point is this, they lied about me. The point is this, they spread rumors about me. The point is this, they've done me wrong. That's the whole point, Pastor, don't you get it? I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything bad to them. I'm not doing anything worse than they've done to me. I'm doing to them what they did to me. And what I'm telling you is that's the problem if the Bible is your authority. That's the problem if you want to be a follower of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you there in Proverbs 20? Look at verse 22. Say not thou, say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Proverbs 24, look at verse 29. Proverbs 24, just flip a few pages over. Proverbs 24 and verse 29. Proverbs 24, 29, say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his works. See, the Bible says, no, 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 you don't treat people the way they treated you. you say, well, wait a minute, then how should I treat them? Glad you asked, go to Matthew chapter 7. Notice what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 12. Matthew chapter 7, first book in the New Testament, should be easy to find. We are just there a second ago. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. The Bible actually tells us, don't treat people the way they treat you. Don't render to any man the way that they've rendered to you. Don't treat people the way they've treated you. You say, well, how should I treat people? Matthew 7 verse 12, and this is throughout the whole Bible I'll show it to you in one place. Matthew 7 and verse 12, this is Jesus speaking. He says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would... That man should do to you. Notice what he says. Ye would, the word would, means what you want, your desire, your will. He said, all things that ye would that men should do to you. He says, what you want people to do to you, Jesus says, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And see, as Christians, the Bible tells us that we are not to treat people the way they've treated us, but we are to treat people the way that we would like to be treated. Amen. And you cannot follow that directive from Jesus and engage in the recompense evil for evil game. Because the one rule of the game is to treat people the way they've treated us. And Jesus says, no, no, no. We're better than that. We're more mature than that. We don't treat people that, how they've treated us. We've treated, we treat people the way we'd like to be treated, and here's the truth, and here's what I know about you, that I'd like people to show mercy to me, and I'd like people to show grace to me, and I'd like people to show patience to me, and I'd like people to give me the benefit of the doubt, and sometimes when I say stupid things, and I do stupid things, and I have an attitude, and I let my tongue slip, I'd like people to say, you know what, maybe he's just having a bad day, let me show him some grace, and here's all I'm saying, if I want people to treat me that way, then I should treat people that way. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if we begin to sow grace and mercy and love and patience, you might reap 
mercy and grace and love and patience. And by the way, let me just help you out. Some of you aren't reaping that because you've not been sowing that. See, the problem with the retaliation game is not only that there's no end in sight. It's not like you've got four quarters and then the game's over. It'll never end. But the other problem is this, that we're treating people the way that they treated us. And the Bible says, say not, I will do so to him as he had done to me. The Bible says that we should treat people the way we would that men should do to us. And that we should not treat people the way that they've treated us, but we should treat people the way that we would like to be treated. Go back to Judges chapter 15. Let me give you a third reason. Third reason. There's only... There, there's uh, three reasons that I want to give you. We're almost done. Judges chapter 3. This is probably my favorite one. Judges chapter 15. And I was going to have you look at verse 3, but before we do that, let me have you look at uh, another verse just real quickly. I don't think. Look at verse 7. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, ye yet will I be avenged of you. He says, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. Let me just talk about that for a second. I don't want to get too deep into that because we're actually going to talk about that next week. Next week we're going to be talking about revenge and what we, how we should deal with revenge and vengeance and avenging of ourselves. But we see that Samson was taking vengeance. He says, I will be avenged of you. If you'd make your way back to, to Romans chapter 12, keep your place there in Judges. We're going to come right back to it. But I want you to notice Romans 12. And I just want to show you, and again, I don't want to get dig, dig too deep into this. We're going to deep in, dig deep into it next week. But I want you to notice Romans 12 and verse 17. This is what we've been talking about. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. As much as life in you, as much as life in you, we should be trying to live peaceably with all men. Sometimes it's not possible. He says, if it be possible. Then he says this in verse 19. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And without getting too much into next week's sermon, I just want you to understand this. When it comes to vengeance and revenge, the Bible says that vengeance belongs to the Lord, that God will make all things just, and that God will step in, not on our time schedule, not on our times table, but God will step in and He will make sure that all the wrongs are made right and that everything balances out in the end. He says, he says, don't avenge yourself. Here's why. Because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Say it's the Lord. And, and, here, and here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to get. When you go back to Judges 15, and you look at verse 3, you find a lie that we tell ourselves, and we engage in the recompense evil for evil game. Judges 15, verse 3. And Samson said concerning them, he says, now shall I be more blameless. Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines. When I read that verse, that word blameless, it makes me think of the pastoral qualifications because one of the pastoral qualifications, the Bible says that they are to be blameless. The pastors to be blameless. That doesn't mean that they're to be perfect. There is no one perfect but Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The, the word blameless there means that you are to live in such a way where accusations do not stick to you. You are to live in such a way 
that, that people could not find fault in you. It doesn't mean you're without sin. It doesn't mean you're perfect. And here's what Samson said. He said, I'm going to engage in this, but I'm, an, I'm innocent. I'm the innocent party. I'm the one that was wrong. And, and at the end of the day, I, people will know, people will know that I was blameless. He says, now shall I be? He said, I'm going to be even more blameless than the Philistines. And here's the point, here's the point that I want you to understand, is that that is a lie. When we engage, when we engage in the retaliation game, the biggest reason you want to stay away from the retaliation game is because as soon as you engage, you're no longer innocent. As soon as you engage, you're no longer blameless. As soon as you engage, you're no longer without fault. As soon as you engage, you're part of the problem, not the solution. And here's all I'm telling you. When God shows up to take vengeance, I want to be innocent. When God shows up to repay, I don't want him to say, well, now i got to deal with both of you. And isn't this true with our children? Isn't this true with our children? Where one kid will take a toy from the other kid, so the other kid decides to engage in the recompense evil for evil game and punches the kid. And then the parents get involved. What do the parents say? Well, now you're going to get a spanking for stealing a toy from your kid, from your brother, and you're going to get a spanking for punching your brother. Because you were innocent (laughs) till you chose to play the game. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's all I'm telling you. The reason you don't want to play the retaliation game is because when we play that game, we're no longer. We're no longer innocent. We're no longer blameless. And when God steps in to take vengeance as God has promised, he will. He might be like that father that says, well, you're getting spanking for doing this, but now I also have to deal with you. Because you engaged. In the recompense evil for evil game. Last week I read to you a story of um, World War II, the Japanese soldier that was fighting a battle all by himself in the jungle. I think what I'd like to do is every sermon this, in this series, I want to give you some sort of a war story or something interesting like that that applies with the sermon. And I'd like to read to you from this, this article if you wouldn't mind. Some of you I'm sure are familiar with this, maybe some of you are not. There's a famous family feud in the United States in the 1800s. It was the Hatfields and the McCoys. And uh, this is from uh, Encyclopedia Britannica website. It says, The families lived on opposite sides of a border stream, the Tug Fork, the McCoys in Pike County, Kentucky, and the Hatfields in Logan County, West Virginia. Each had numerous kinfolk and allies in the prospective counties in which they lived. The origins of the feud are obscure. Some attribute to the hostilities formed during the American Civil War, in which the McCoys were Unionists and the Hatfields were Confederates. Other to Randall McCoy's belief that the Hatfields stole one of his hogs in 1878. However, although animosities had built up and occasional fights had broken out, the first major bloodletting did not occur until 1882, when Ellison Hatfield was morally shot in a brawl with McCoys, and in revenge, the Hatfields kidnapped and executed three McCoy brothers, Tolbert, Farmer, and Randolph Jr. These murders sharpened the backwoods warfare, and therefore, thereafter, the Hatfield and McCoys repeatedly ambushed and killed one another. 
fighting, waiting for them to ask me. They're not here, so you don't know. You know I'm not talking about some. I had somebody recently. You'd be shocked the the, the type of rude things that people do to a pastor and a pastor's wife. You, you should ask uh, Miss Melody's mom. She'd probably have some good stories to tell you. You'd be shocked how people would treat you in ministry. I just recently had somebody. They handed me something, and the, the way they, they wanted me to read it, but they said it in a very rude, uh, you know, just way, and I just threw it in the trash. And I'm waiting for them to ask me, you know, when they ask me, well, what do you think about that? I'm going to say, you know, throw in the trash can. Because what you're doing, what you're doing is you're trying to get a reaction from me. And I don't play that game. And, and in fact, I'm not going to recompense evil for evil, but I don't have to be your friend. I don't have to engage in this relationship. Do you realize that you don't have to engage in toxic relationships? And you know what I tell people is this. You don't get to influence me, and you don't get to be... If you're going to be rude to me, if you're going to insult me, if you're going to try to treat me in a certain way, I'm not going to be mean to you because I'm smarter than recompensing evil for evil. I know what the Bible says, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be your friend either. You don't get to influence me with your negative influence. You don't get to be a part of this, and I'll be kind to you, but that's it. Do you understand? Because it is a manipulation tactic. And at the end, the only one that looks like a fool is you. So don't engage in the recompense evil for evil game. Keep your hands clean. Keep your heart right. Acts 24 and verse 16, here's what Paul said. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God. And toward men. Paul says, you know what I try to do? Here's what I try to do. I try to make sure I'm right with God, and I try to make sure I'm right with men. I'm not going to recompense evil for evil, but I'm also not going to get hammered into and bite into your manipulation game. Because though I will not be hurtful to you, I will not allow your hurt to influence me, and you don't get to have influence You don't get to have a relationship. You want to have a talk about my sermon and what you don't like about it? That's fine, but you'll do it in a respectful way. Because I'm not going to play this game. And here's all I'm telling you. If we were wise, we would not play that game. Because what it does, here's what it does, and we're getting to another sermon for another day. You heap coals of fire upon their heads when you do so. So don't play. You say, why not? Here's why. Because there's no end in sight. When we play the recompense evil for evil game, there's no end in sight. You say, why not? Because we're treating people the way they treat us. And the Bible has commanded us to treat people the way we'd like to be treated. And because when you play, when you play, you're no longer blameless. You're no longer innocent. So take heed for the Apostle Paul's words and make it a model of your life that you recompense no evil. That you recompense no evil. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for these principles found in Scripture, Lord, and I pray that you would give us wisdom to be able to apply them, Lord. I know that in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, people say things, people do things, and they try to get a reaction from us. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom in discernment to be able to hold back. Wisdom and discernment to be able to do right, 
that we might be able to walk away from situations with a conscience that is clear towards God and men. We love you, Lord. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.